Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. In my business, we try to get our clients to survey their customers. And there's a couple of reasons why we do that. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm here today with our guest, Stace Kasseria. Stace is joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. Stace, how are you today? I'm doing great, Ash. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Best ever listeners, today is Skill Set Sunday, where we talk about a specific skill set that our guest has. Stace is the owner of Trust Deep, a branding agency and Evergreen North Properties. Stace has 20 years of investing experience. And currently has four properties, a small apartment building, and a syndication. Stace, before we get into your skill set, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So I've been investing, like you said, for about 20 years. I've also been involved in advertising for about 20 years. So the same time that I was building my career in branding and advertising marketing, I was also building my portfolio of properties and my focus right now on my business. But I'm hoping to shift that to real estate in the future so that I'm handing off some of the duties of my job to the folks who work with me and going out looking for new investment opportunities and hopefully being able to take a little bit more time to do that and less time behind the desk. That's interesting. A lot of people almost do it the other way. They hand off their real estate tasks and focus on their career, but you're looking to transition into real estate. Absolutely. And there are things I'm trying to bring over to my real estate practice from my marketing practice. What lessons have I learned helping people build brands, retain customers, build loyalty? How can I translate that to my tenants and how I deal with them? And hopefully, instead of having small buildings in the future, someday I have large buildings that I can look back on and say, ah, yes, I've built this business the same way I would have helped the client build any other business. Let's get into that. But I would love to find out how you got into real estate. So I had graduated college. My mother 
owned a restaurant at the time and restaurant, it's a grueling, grueling occupation. So she was trying to get out of that long hours. Health was an issue. So she said, I'm going to start buying some single family homes and renting them. And I saw her doing this and I saw the profit potential and she showed me, she said, Hey, this is what my mortgage and expenses are. This is the rent every month. You can do the math. It's very simple. It works. And it's not a nine to five job. It's not something that needs my attention all week long. I saw that. And I said, you know, I'd like to give this a try. It took me a while to get fully invested in the idea like your parents tell you things like, of course, in money or out the other, it takes you a while to say this thing really could work. So I've had properties for the past 20 years, but it's only recently that I've been much more passionate about becoming more active in it. So a background in branding and marketing, what attributes do you take to your real estate investing? A business doesn't really exist unless it has customers. And I'm trying to bring the belief that our tenants are our customers and we have to treat them like we would treat any of our customers. So I owned a shoe store or a car dealership or a restaurant even. Too often I see landlords and investors treat their tenants as a necessary evil, not focusing on them as customers, not saying, how can I provide better value for them? When we talk about value add, we talk about, oh, we're going to put in new sinks or countertops or we're going to paint the place. We don't talk about necessarily adding value to somebody's life or how to make them enjoy that property more. So I'm trying to bring over the idea that apply customer relationship and customer service tools and processes, apply that to your investing and treat every tenant like they're a customer. They are a paying customer. They just happen to live in a building rather than buy a product or service from you. I have to ask you, I do mostly non-residential commercial investing, but I still have some residential and I have the same outlook as you with my commercial tenants. I treat them as partners. My residential tenants, I'm very skeptical of interacting with them because it almost seems like every time I do, I open up a can of worms. So help me be more at ease with that. And is there a fine line where you can't get too deep into their issues and fall victim to them pulling one over on you? Sure. And I completely understand where you're coming from. But let's pretend instead of owning a building, you owned a car repair service center. You wouldn't necessarily have to get involved in your customer's life in order to serve them. But what you have to do is understand their need. And you have to make sure that you've done everything you can to fix their car and get them on their way. The difference with owning real estate is that it's somehow more personal to that person. And they've taken some ownership of your building because they literally live there. But you have to think of them as customers and you have to think of them as having real needs that you can meet without overexposing yourself or without being taken advantage of. And there is a line. I was having a conversation with a syndicator once and he asked me a similar question. And I said, I tend to think of my tenants as like my aunt or uncle who I would want to do well for. I want to help them. But if they ask me for the shirt off my back or something that's going to hinder my ability to run my business properly, that's the line. So I will be as helpful as I can, but I'm not going to give product away. I'm not going to give service away. I'm not going to let someone escape from their responsibilities. I'm going to hold them accountable. But understanding that we are partners in this, the same way any business looks at its customers and say, we don't exist without those customers. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co 
takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless, from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. What are some things that you've implemented where you see a lot of other real estate investors have failed at in terms of customer service? A couple of things. In my business, we try to get our clients to survey their customers. And there's a couple of reasons why we do that. First of all, you get excellent intelligence, understanding where you're doing well, where you're doing poorly, but it shows people that you care about improving your process. So even if somebody has negative feedback, the fact that you asked for it is helpful. It will change their perception in some small way. It might change it in a large way. So I've begun asking tenants, how are we doing? What things can we improve? And I don't think that's novel. I don't think that's new. I don't think I I invented that. But actually listening to people and and stopping by. So I have a building here outside of Boston that I self-manage. And I try to head out there at least once a month. And I will knock on every door and see if people are home and just ask them, how's everything going? I'm hoping that they say, everything is awesome. Thank you very much. Here's the rent. But it doesn't always work that way. Somebody might say, hey, while you're here, can you come and take a look at something? Or this happened or that happened or this guy's parking in my spot or whatever it might be. And I don't necessarily want to hear those things, but I do want to fix those problems if they exist. If I don't ask that question, the problem still exists. It's just not going to get resolved. So this works the same even if you have property management in place. You want your property managers to work the way that you want them to work. So if you want your tenants treated in a certain way, a certain level of respect, or if you want to hold a hard line to them, and that's the thing you have to get your property managers to work on your behalf. So the same way when I go in and I've got my agenda, the things I need to get from people, you got to get your property managers doing the same thing. How do you get them to be as attentive as you are? That's a fantastic question. This is what we do at our agency. So at Trustee, we're a branding agency and we help brands identify what their mission is, what their purpose is. But then the important part is translating that to employees. So recently we did a branding project for a restaurant outside of Boston. And their issue isn't so much that the marketing people don't understand the brand or the mission. 
it's difficult translating that down to the kitchen staff or the wait staff. So the same way we created a manual for their employees, I would say to you, if you have property management in place, you have to figure out what is important to you, the way you want things run, and not just mention things casually to people. You have to codify it, document it, put it on paper, give it to them, make sure they read it, quiz them on it, get them to understand that this is real. It's not a suggestion. And this is what I mean about translating processes or procedures over from marketing or running a business or even working in the corporate world, translating that over to your real estate is that in corporate America, we would have a procedure manual, like standard operating procedures, right? Of how we do things. There's nothing wrong with having that for your property manager. So they probably have a ton of landlords who they work for and they run the gamut from people who really care, people who don't care, people who want this, people who want that. You have to let them know crystal clear, this is what I expect from you. And putting it on paper is the way to do it. Checking in with them, like a progress every quarter or something like that, holding them to those things. And it's not just the guy who owns the property management company. It has to filter down if he has people working for him. People who are knocking on doors looking for rent, it has to filter down to those people. That is great advice because there's so many people who complain about their property management company. But had they implemented some of these systems and quiz them and follow up, the experience could be a lot different. Oh yeah, I can't expect people to know what our intentions are or our expectations unless we put those down on paper. I mean, there are basic things like, I expect rent to be collected on the first. I expect if there's a problem with the plumbing to call me. Those are basic things, but you have to go beyond that and say, how would another business run? Whether this was a bakery, a bowling alley, anything like that, how would they run? They would have a set of procedures, how to get the best work out of their employees. It's the same way with a property manager or running a business. You have to say, how do we optimize what they're doing. And it's not like, hey guys, please do a good job for me because everybody wants to do a good job. But what does that mean? You got to be specific about what that means. Have there been instances where this customer service mentality has backfired on you? Why do you ask? Because I'm still thinking of a lot of my colleagues that are residential heavy investors and hearing this, I'm sure in their minds they're thinking, no way. I want to interact with my tenants as little as possible. So I want to hear about how this backfired and what advice would you give to those people that have just had so many bad experiences interacting with residential tenants? Maybe it's a class C apartment where there's professional tenants that know how to game the system. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. So I do have a set of tenants who fit the bill here. And I have to keep reminding myself that for me, this is an investment. And at the end of the day, I leave and come home to my family, but they live in that building. So they've lived there far longer than I've owned it. So they've been there 20 years, maybe 18 years. And they have a feeling of entitlement or ownership to the building. And I will do most things that they request as long as it still sits within my objective. So they've asked for a few things. So I'm like, you know, okay, fine. We need to make some improvements, renovations. That's fine. But when the tenants start to ask for something that makes me deviate from my plan, whether that's a profitability or time commitment or nuisance to other tenants, for instance, that's where I draw the line. And I've had to do that recently and say, listen, you're starting to sound like a homeowner here, which is a good mentality to have, but not here because I'm the homeowner here. And so I said, if you want to own a home, that's fantastic. But this isn't it. So we had to have a clear understanding. You have to do that dispassionately. I couldn't get upset with the guy. Because he's going to take it much more personally. Like I said, at the end of the day, I leave and come home. He lives there. He thinks that's his home. It's not his house. He doesn't own the building. I do. 
but he believes it's his home and he should feel that way. I do like when people feel ownership of the property. They will take better care of things. But when they cross a line, you have to redraw that line and say, this is where it is. This is how it is. At the end of the day, I own this place. I'm going to try and make you as happy as possible. It's like the same thing. It's like you walked into the car dealership and said, I want this car for free. No, no level of customer service is going to allow somebody to break their rules of good business. So that's the same thing I would say to people. It's not about being a pushover or it's not about letting your tenants walk all over you. It's about recognizing them as human beings, as people who have hopes and dreams and, and stuff like that, just like I do. But there's a line and I'm going to do everything I can to help them until we get to that line. Stace, in your opinion, has this mentality helped you retain tenants? Yeah, not just retaining tenants. So every year there's an annual rent increase. So something I've started doing is I use Rentometer to get data on rents in the area. I also do a search of apartments.com. So whenever somebody's lease is coming up and I want to increase the rent, I put a package together and I show it to them and say, hey, I'd love for you to stay if you can, but I have to raise the rent. And if you can't stay, Here's a dozen other places in the area. Of course, I'm not being selective. I'm showing them a range of places and my property looks pretty good compared to these other places given the amount of rent. So I find that to be very useful. The last time I did this with a tenant, his reaction was he looked at the rent increase and said, that's not bad. That's what I want. So this is the same thing other businesses would do. They would tell you, we have to raise the prices, but they would tell you what you're getting for that. They would tell you why they're getting it rather than somebody just saying, Hey, I'm raising the rent because it's January. That's very arbitrary to a tenant. I mean, giving them a reason why and giving them a way out and saying, you know what, if you don't want to live here, that's cool too. Nobody has left since I started doing that process. And you go there in person and deliver a rent increase. Generally, I mail them. It happens that I was on the property for something else and I handed it to this guy and he opened it and read it right there. But typically, I would just throw them in the mail. As much as I'm saying I want to be this great guy, I do want to limit my time out there because I have other things to do. I have a business to run. I've got a family. But if there are times when I need to be there just to make sure that people know who I am and recognize me and they have a personal relationship with me, I will take those opportunities, like I said, to knock on doors. If I've driven all the way out there, because it's outside of Boston, if I've driven out there, I'm going to spend the time and knock on doors and talk to people and and do what I have to do. So with your personality, I feel like your rent increase letter is not the norm. What does your rent increase letter say? Generally, we'll talk about the conditions. So right now, the past year, it mentioned COVID. And I said, I understand that things are tough for everybody. And if you need help with rent assistance, let me know. I can put you in touch with people. And that happened with one person. I said, hey, I could use help paying my rent. And it's better that that agency helps him pay his rent than he doesn't pay me. So it'll talk about the economy. It'll talk about things that are going on in the neighborhood. I think once there was a new building that was being constructed saying, I know that there are other options. There's this new building being constructed. Spoiler alert, it was much more expensive to live there than in my place. But I just want to be transparent about what's going on. I might also say in the past year, I've also done these renovations to your apartment, whether I painted or put a new carpet or something like that. Just we're on the same page. I'm not doing this arbitrarily in giving you new carpet because I'm an awesome guy. This is a business for me. So I want to be human, but I also want to be professional about it. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, 
you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. I love that approach. I wonder how few people actually do that. I would envision a lot of people just say, hey, by the way, your rent's going up January 1st. Here's a new amount, period. The problem with that is that somebody questions it. You need to have rationale for it. The same way if your cable bill's going up, you want some sort of rationale or else it's going to bother you, right? They said, hey, we've added 16 new channels and now it's in HD and you've got this DVR thing. And like, okay, I'm getting value for this extra increase. If they just said, hey, your cost is going up, take it or leave it. You'd be like, why? I need to understand why things are happening. And if you explain things to people, for the most part, I think people get it. They understand that you're there, not as a humanitarian, but as a business person. That is a great philosophy. How have you used your branding and marketing background to attract tenants for vacant units? I have to say, I'm jealous of people who own new construction because I don't have a building like that. But I look at new construction, I say, so what elements are here other than the the box that is an apartment? What other things? I'm like, okay, so there's branding on the building or there is signage inside the building or they might provide a welcome package to tenants. So I try to do little things like that where I can to maybe get closer to what the experience might be, a much nicer building, because I'm in the C-class building, but I would love to have a much nicer building, bigger building, newer building. So I'm trying bigger to- Bigger mortgage. What, bigger mortgage, right. <laughs> but there are things I cannot provide. It's like old building, low ceilings. I can't provide big open concept. There's no dog park. There's no swimming pool. I can't provide those things. They're never happening. Covered parking, never going to happen. But I look for other things that I can do. And I try to index a little higher in those small things that might have some effect rather than just throwing up my hands and saying, there's no way that I'm going to be able to compete with those other buildings. But there are things I've learned also from the Joe Fairless book about how to add amenities. And it's not necessarily always adding things like swimming pool or covered parking, things like that. Just like small touches that people might appreciate sounds so minor when I talk about it, but outlets, there are USB outlets at the outlet, and then there are the two USB things. Yep. I put those in an apartment that I renovated, and people were so happy. That's just a $5 outlet. But looking for small things that will make a little bit of an improvement, those are things that I look for. Stace, what advice would you give to somebody, let's say they have 30 to 40 Class C units, they're kind of inundated, they've had their fill of tenant stories, How do you get them to reposition their mindset? And what are some practices that they can start doing to get to where you're at and build this allure or build an environment where the customers, the tenants all know Chase is my landlord, great guy. How do you get somebody who's been jaded, inundated to adopt this philosophy and what specific tasks could they implement? I think before you get to tasks though, with anything in life, mindset matters. You have to change your mindset and you have to understand the relationship, not as a transactional relationship, but one where you are providing value and they are providing you with income for the long term. You have to see people as customers and you have to see them as your partner. You said in your commercial space, you have to see people as partners. So the actual tactics for somebody who is jaded is I would start with one or two tenants I always try to start with the biggest problems first and see if I can solve those. And so if you have somebody who's a real nightmare, not to the point where you need to evict them, because if that's the case, then hopefully they would have evicted them. But see if you can change their 
behavior toward you by changing your behavior toward them. Call them out of the blue and say, how's everything going? Or send them a letter saying, I appreciate you being there. Send them a thank you after they've paid their rent. That's going to be odd for a lot of people to receive this thing that says thank you. And there might be negative consequences to begin with. Someone's going to say, of course, I'm paying my rent, but you never fixed my faucet. Well, that's an opportunity to fix the faucet. But I think once you do that and you show people that you have empathy and you're a little bit more human, then you can work on the ones that are easier. Start with the hard ones first and get a system in place. Because if you can make a difference with that person, you can make a difference with everybody else. That is a great philosophy. That's one thing that I don't do is randomly send thank you letters. I host dinners and happy hours for my commercial tenants, but there's a lot more that I could be doing. What's your hardest lesson that you've learned? in your real estate investing experience? This applies to a lot of things in life. It's not hesitating to make decisions. When you have a decision and you're pretty sure you know which way you're gonna go. In the past, I've waited too long to make decisions. I sold a property last year that I should have sold years before. And I just held on to it for emotional reasons, not looking at the numbers. Because as humans, we make decisions emotionally. We don't make decisions rationally. I wish we did sometimes. But I held on to this property and I think I was barely making any money each month. It was barely cash flowing. That's because from the time I bought it to the time I sold it, it had flood insurance because it was a piece of water from property. Flood insurance had gone up 10 times year after year after year. And I kept saying, maybe I'll catch up to this. And there was no way rent was ever going to increase at the same rate. And I just loved the property being on the water and everything. But I had to realize I should have done this years ago and then just taken that cash and done something else. Lesson hey, learned. I, something else I wanted to mention before you said you do happy hours with your commercial tenants. Something that I started doing with my residential tenants is every Thanksgiving, I send them a gift card for the local supermarket because Thanksgiving is an important time with my family. So that's a way that I can show them some appreciation. And people were blown away the first time they got it. It wasn't a lot of money that I was sending each person, but it was certainly noticeable. That is amazing. And simple practices for people to implement. Absolutely. Tell me more about your syndication. I'm working with a syndicator now, so I'm invested completely passively in that deal. I would love to transition into syndicating myself, find a syndicator who I can work with, who might be looking for somebody who brings marketing and branding experience to sort of have a value exchange there. But I see that as such a powerful force. I know I'm on the Joe Fairless show here. He opened my eyes to this thing called syndication. And whenever I read the book a few years ago, I was like, this is an amazing thing. I want to become more active in syndications and I'm trying to invest in them passively at the moment to sort of understand how they work beyond just reading about them in books, see how they work in real life. And hopefully soon I will work with a syndicator and lend my skills, whether it's how to deal with people or managing the property or helping with marketing, branding of the property itself. I think you would do very well using your skill set, your mindset, and your customer service practices on a much larger scale. So Stace, thank you very much for joining us today. Your outlook, your mindset, you've given me a lot of things to think about things that I could do better, very simple things. And for our best ever listeners that have a lot of units that they're inundated with, I think you've helped to transition some of that mindset as well. So thank you again for being on the show. Best ever listeners, thanks for joining us and have a best ever day.